Center. This is What's the Story here on the People Chronicles. And we're visiting once again with Dr. Bill Santoro. And Dr., what are you doing at Reading Hospital? I'm the chief of the section of substance use disorder at Reading Hospital Medical Center. And also the medical director for? Uh, New Directions Treatment Services, which is a methadone maintenance uh, program. I'm so glad that you could join us because, like I'm telling you something new, there's 120, no, 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 not 100, 23 million people who suffer from addiction. That's true. In the United States. I've read that every family is affected by addiction. That's what I've read. I don't know if that's true. I have not met a family yet that doesn't um, have either a family member or a close friend where they were affected by addiction. Well, this is interesting. It's that rampant, shall we say. Um, There are warning signs, there are educational tools all over to identify if you're at risk for a stroke, or if you're at risk for a heart attack, or um, signs for cancer. What are the signs for addiction? What should I look for? How do I, because you know, Everybody drinks, right? right? It's so socially acceptable and almost so socially, uh, I don't want to say a requirement, but that's what you do, right? You go to a party, you have a drink. So how do I know when it's a problem? Um, I thought you were going to say, why isn't there warning signs well, for this? Yeah, that too. Well, <laughs> Thank you. Starting with that question, I was going to say, because I had a very good answer for that. The warning sign that you have a chance to become addicted is if you're a human. If you're a human being, you have a chance to become addicted. So every human being should be warned, just the way every person who has... um, who's overweight should be warned they could have... end up with diabetes and... um, So So now there you said it. If you're overweight, that's a warning sign for diabetes. What are the warning signs for addiction? Being a human. Oh my goodness. Uh, Help me out. Come help on. Well, this is also genetics. I mean, if, if okay. every person in your family for the last four generations has had an addiction problem, you can be pretty sure that you've got a higher risk than others. What if maybe one or two? Um, Does that mean it's in the genes? It, there's genetic and there is environmental. Okay. Um, I believe that I can get anybody dependent on drugs. If you give enough drugs to a person, they will become physically dependent. Uh, Now, that's different than addiction, and you can get into what is the difference between addiction and dependence. And that's really the characteristic of what are you doing to obtain your medicine. So a person who is um, buying illegal drugs on the street Mm -hmm. for the sole purpose of changing their mental state, you would call that addiction. For a person who's going to a doctor's office and getting a prescription of pain medicine, you'd call that, and they, when they stop, they have the pain and they go into withdrawal, you'd call that dependence. And those are the two polaring sides, and then there's a lot of gray in between of where you would say, well, wait, is that dependence or addiction? So a lot of us don't even bother. The, the latest uh, ICD-10 codes don't even... Uh, I don't separate. know what an ICD-10 uh, code we shouldn't, is. I don't want to get it. That, okay. that gets Very boring. Good. Technical. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but instead of calling it addiction or dependence, mm-hmm. they now call it substance use disorder, mild, moderate, or severe. So um, if somebody, like you said, they, they have pain and they want to feel better, you could go to the doctor and get a prescription, or you could go on the street and use street drugs to feel better, change how you're feeling. Is that self-medicating? That's self-medicating. Now, if you're self-medicating because you have a problem, 
Somebody might say that's not addiction. Um, if you're self-medicating um, your depression with drugs, I would say you have a problem because you're not doing a proper job. Maybe there's a question I want to ask. Because I'm trying to help families determine because we hear about interventions and, and the person suffering from addiction maybe needs some help. At what point do you know it's a problem? What are, the, what are the red flags that make it go, mm, maybe we can help this person? If, if a person is having a difficulty with personal relationships or jobs, or if you're missing things that you would normally expect somebody to do, and they're not doing those things, uh, concrete example, if a person ends up at a bar mm-hmm. instead of at their child's fifth birthday party, uh, okay. there's a problem. If you're about to lose your spouse because you're using drugs or alcohol, I would say you have a problem. If you're going to lose your job because you're missing days because of your drug use, these are signs of you've got a problem. Okay, Um, that's for adults. How about what can you offer or what can we share with parents as warning signs for teenagers, because teenagers, you know, they're a funky bunch anyway. That's true. <laughs> they're so all over the place, and so it could be, oh, well, he's just a teen, or he has a problem. How, how well, do you ha- distinguish? You've got to know your child first okay. of all. So I, I make the assumption that every parent knows their child, and if your child has always been quiet and shy, and this week they're quiet and shy, that's normal. Mm-hmm. But if they're always been the life of the party and front and center and the most happy and outgoing, gregarious child, and now they're withdrawn, quiet, and shy. That's something different that you say, that's not my child. So it's a behavior change. It's a behavioral change. And just the reverse. If they're normally, have always been very reserved, and now all of a sudden they come in, and they're front and center. You say, something is up here. Mm -hmm. What are they doing that's different? Are they just coming out of their shell? Mm -hmm. Or is this a sign that there's a problem, that they've been doing something different? Um, so you've got to know your child and, and communicate with them. And what I tell parents is, if you want to keep your children away from me, treat, treating them for addiction, what I recommend they do is get them on a horse. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Literally. Get them on, yes, get them on a horse. Now, literally, but there's a backstory to that. Horses, they, to me, again, personal, professional uh, belief is that the gateway drug is not alcohol or marijuana. It's tobacco, in my opinion. Because when I ask my patients, what did you first use? Nine out of 10 of them smoked cigarettes before they did anything else. So I look at that as the true gateway drug, my own personal opinion. Now, if you take a child and you decide they're gonna ride horses, you're putting this child on a 4,000 pound animal and surrounded with dry wood and hay, and you're gonna tell them to jump over a three-foot fence, um, you better have your wits about you. And the last thing you can do in a place like that is smoke a cigarette. And if they don't smoke cigarettes, they don't end up using drugs. I thought you were going to the fact that horses are very attuned to senses and emotions and energies of people. They, they and, probably like, are. Yeah, okay, they probably awesome. are. But I was even going more basic. Right, um, right. If they, if they are at a place like that, they can't use drugs. Or get them in sports, activities. Sports, you can't activities. Well, from there you go like to the, what is their passion. And if you keep a person, child or adult, if, you, if, you, if they find their passion of what they really enjoy doing, then they're busy with their passion 
and you don't want their passion to be drugs or alcohol. Okay, so now let's assume it went to drugs and alcohol. How, what is the best way, or are there misconceptions about how you might help the person, whether it's a child or a spouse or a cousin or a neighbor or a coworker, whoever it is? What's the best way to approach it and maybe point it out? Because is it fair to say they'll probably say, no, I don't have a problem, or perhaps lie and manipulate about their behaviors to avoid well, addressing it? I, I tell people some of the symptoms of addiction are mm-hmm. lying, stealing, and manipulating. Those are symptoms of the disease, so You know what? Be I have to stop you on that. Lying, stealing, manipulating, aren't they choices? So how is Um, that a disease? And there's where you get a gray area and we get stigma. It's not a choice. It's as much a choice if I tell a person to drink a bottle of magnesium citrate, which will make a person go to the bathroom. So drink a bottle of magnesium citrate and choose not to go to the bathroom. I mean, it's a choice. You can either go or not go. When it comes to addiction, you don't have a choice. You're going to need that drug, and you will do anything and everything necessary to get that drug. So is it a choice or is it that you are just saying that I have to do it? And the answer is they have to do it. So is it true that the disease of addiction affects as a brain disorder? It affects the part of the brain that is responsible for judgment? Yes, absolutely. Um, It is a brain disorder. It is not a willful misconduct disorder. It is not a lack of willpower disorder. It is a brain disorder. Okay, now that we got that straight, how do I help the person? There's, Can you help the person? Yes, absolutely. If, if I couldn't help the person, then a lot of then what I do and what a lot of other of people do are, are, is useless. There are a lot of success stories, and there's no one way of doing it. I mean, we have 12 steps. It has helped a lot of people, but it doesn't help everybody. Uh, there's... It goes from there to medical-assisted treatment. And what I stress to people is when I said medical-assisted, do not forget the A in medical-assisted treatment. Medicine isn't going to cure the person. Medicine is going to assist in the treatment. Because I give the person the medicine, now I have their attention. I can talk to them. They're not jonesing. They're not running out looking to get drugs. Now that I've got your attention, we can rebuild your life with a whole bunch of other things such as counseling, uh, spiritual. There's, we have to rebuild so that they have a job, they have a family, they've got a place that they can feel that they can live. Uh, so how do I get them to you, to the professional, they first whoever need to, it is? They first need to accept the fact that they have the disease. Um, if, if I have chest pain and I keep telling you, oh, it's nothing, it's nothing, until I admit that the chest pain could be my heart and get into a doctor you can't help me with my heart attack. And it's the same with this, addic- with this disease of addiction. You have to get to the person to get them to understand they have a problem. And it may be just pointing out, look, that chest pain comes about every time you run up some stairs. Look, you have lost your spouse. You no longer uh, are on speaking terms with your family members because you've missed all these family events due to your drug use. It has to get through to them that, you know, maybe I do have a medical problem. What's the most critical issue right now for all of us as society? Is it acknowledging it's a disease? Is that step one? Is that the foundation first so we can get to all these other things? I think if you don't do that, you, you can't put a roof on a house where the foundation isn't proper. So step one is let's get it through to everybody that this is a disease 
and a disease that can be treated. Changing the dialogue, changing the treatment. Dr. Santoro, thank you very much. You're welcome. Appreciate it. Want to know more about who's doing what in Berks County? Check out the stories on thepeoplechronicles.com. 